Maybe you've heard the story, it was covered a number of years ago. There was a letter that came from the Greenville, South Carolina Department of Social Services to the house of someone who had died. It said this, Your food stamps will be stopped effective March 1st, as we have been notified that you are now deceased. Should there be a change in your circumstances, you may reapply at that time. A change in circumstances. You know, I've stood at the grave of loved ones, of friends, of strangers, and I have not witnessed in this world a change in their circumstances. But today we look at what Jesus brings to his friend Lazarus and Mary and Martha, and to each one of us through the promise we are given in our baptism, what he creates in the reality that we have in him. This miracle today in our gospel will be somewhat the final straw for those who want to seek his life. He's already out of the area because they want to kill him. He's not in Judea. He's staying away. But when this miracle happens and the people flock to him, then the high priest will prophesy and say, What are we doing Something has to be done. Look, the whole world is going after this man. We are accomplishing nothing here. They need to put him to death or their position is gone. I want to back up just for a few minutes to think many weeks ago when we talked about Jesus beginning his ministry. And the question was asked by John the Baptist, if Jesus truly was the one sent or should we expect another? Because over the weeks of our series, we've encompassed the miracles of Jesus to say who he truly was. John sent this, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. As Jesus is outside this territory, the word comes to him from dear friends. Yes, Jesus had close friends in his earthly life, people that he cared about, people that he shared life with, just as you and I do. Word came. And so I invite you to take your connection or to take your worship Bible to open to John chapter 11 as we look at a few of those verses this morning and talk about what is going on, what some of these words that John records for us truly imply in this story that we've been given. John 11, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, and then John gives us that parenthetical, that this is the same Mary, whose brother Lazarus was sick, the one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet to bless him, to prepare him, as Jesus said, for his burial. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now Lazarus, the name means whom God helps, truly In this miracle, God comes to help this family, to help. And that's what they've asked him. 
They haven't said, Lord, we want you to do this or to do that. They haven't specified how Jesus is to act. They simply have reminded him of his relationship. To say, Lord, the one you love, the close friend, come help. Often what we do when we are in a situation where we don't see any outcome that can be accomplished and we cry out, Lord, help us. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now we read that. And maybe we wonder for a moment that Jesus said, no, this sickness will not end in death. And we say, well, we know that Lazarus died. Is Jesus saying something that isn't true? Well, of course not. What that means in the original language, the emphasis of those words, is that it means the final ending will not result in death. He doesn't say that Lazarus won't die, but he's saying there will be an outcome past this. There will be something that will happen in the final result that will allow those around to see the glory of God. As Pastor Mark talked about last week with the healing of the blind man, so that the works of God might be displayed. So it will be in this event. Those words that we heard when Jesus responded to John the Baptist, the dead are raised. And so it is with us. Whenever we are struck with sickness, whatever it is, cancer or heart disease, whatever it is that seems to take us down, that we have been given a death sentence, we know because of Jesus Christ, it is not the final result for us. That we too, as we just confessed in the creed, will rise again. And so then there is a discussion between Jesus and his disciples who don't understand Jesus' words exactly. That Lazarus has fallen asleep and Jesus refers to death simply as sleep. And they think he's sleep, sleeping and that that's good medicine. That'll help. He'll rest. And then he has to tell them that Lazarus has died. And that they are going back. Going back to almost certain death. That's why Thomas says, let us also go and die with him. He doesn't mean Lazarus, he means Jesus. They figure going back into Judea is certain death for them. That they will all be arrested and killed by the leaders who want to be done with them. And moving on to verse 17. On Jesus' arrival, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Why does John record that for us? Four days. It's significant. Because the Pharisees taught that the body and soul separated permanently after three days. That's important for us to remember. That it was impossible that they could ever be reunited after that point. Keep that in the back of your head in two weeks. When we celebrate Easter of Jesus being in the tomb for three days. That the Pharisees had taught this was impossible. It could never be. That's why John records that. He's saying Lazarus is dead. Really dead. And Martha comes then in verse 21 to Jesus. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What she's saying are simple words. She's not angry with Jesus. She's stating a fact. If you had been present... You would have healed my brother. We've seen you heal many people. She's simply just disappointed that that didn't happen, that Jesus couldn't have been there. God, you could do this, we often say. You have the power. 
And yet we struggle to understand the ways of God, not knowing what he is working for us, but trusting in the promise that God works all things to good for those who love him. Martha goes on, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Still words of faith, I know, even now. In spite of this reality, in spite of my brother being in the tomb for four days, in spite of it being sealed, in spite of all we know of that soul separating from the body, I know, even now, Lord, you can do something. Why is it so often in our lives that we have doubts? I think it comes down to our experiences. We have not experienced as we've stood at the grave of a loved one to watch them rise again. We have not experienced as someone breathes their last suddenly coming back to life and being with us again. When we stand at the grave, what we see, our experiences, are in fact then our reality. And our reality causes us to doubt. And then Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. You see, she thinks Jesus is speaking words of comfort to her. Don't we try to say the right words to someone when they're being taken by death? What do we say to them? How do we comfort them? When we are at funerals, what are the words we say to people in order to give them hope and to give them courage? In Martha's mind, the Pharisees taught that those who rise on the last day rose because they had some inward quality, some inward righteousness that allowed them to be among those who in that very last day will rise again. But still, Martha's saying, that's someday. That's far off. That's not now. That's not today. And then Jesus utters those words that we hear so often read at funerals. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? You see, what Jesus is saying to Martha, the resurrection is not far off. It is not in the future. It is today. Because I have come into this world and the reality that you see has just changed. Note that Jesus doesn't say, I will work the resurrection in his life or I have come to procure the resurrection. I promise the resurrection or I will bring the resurrection. No, Jesus says, I am the resurrection. Saying to Martha, saying to us that apart from Jesus, there is no resurrection. Where he is, is the resurrection and the life. You see, our problem is, as I said, in our world, we think we know what life is. We think the things that we do every day, our physical world, define our reality. That what we experience as we have lived our lives is what there is. This experience is life. This experience that we have is truth. 
And what Jesus is saying to Martha and to us, I know what you see. I know what you've experienced, but this is beyond mere sight alone, in spite of the body, in spite of a casket, in spite of a funeral, in spite of a grave. These things are not reality. I am reality. It's what Paul talked about in our epistle today, the flesh versus the spirit. There is the realm of the flesh, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God or apart from God, but the realm of the spirit is life. That is the reality that you and I live in Jesus Christ. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned and brought death and sin and imposed it on this world because of what they have done, they brought into our world a false reality. Reality was in the garden before the fall. Reality was being with God, walking and talking where there was no death, there was no sorrow. Reality is being with Jesus, our Savior. Reality is the picture we have of the new heaven and the new earth in Revelation. That is our reality. And Jesus brings reality with him. Again, those words when he responded to John... Go back and report to John what you hear and see. Go back and tell him what reality is. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Those are the things of reality. Because those are the things that Jesus brings, what his mission on earth was to bring the forgiveness of sins, to bring restoration and reconciliation into a broken and fallen world. Jesus is telling us the reality that we live in the Spirit is the truth of who we are, who God has called us to be, not what we see with our eyes. You see, we are placed into that true reality through our baptism. When Jesus says, those who have heard my words have already crossed over from death to life. Our new reality begins in those waters and we are in the spirit. We are in that new realm. The realm that Jesus came to bring. When we have the Lord's Supper together, we are in that new reality because we are with Jesus who is the resurrection and the life. Who brings to us reconciliation and hope and forgiveness. When we hear the word of God which speaks to us of the true reality that we have, that we are loved, that we are cherished, that we are redeemed, that we are the people of God in this world. You see, in our world, reality is defined by suffering and pain, by darkness and hopelessness and death. And the world believes that is reality. But Jesus breaks into this world, breaks into its reality, and changes it. Galatians 2.20, our theme verse for our series. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live, in the body I live by faith, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is reality, the life that I live in this body, in this world, that I live by faith in Jesus Christ. This is who we are. People of this reality, people of life and resurrection, people of hope and forgiveness. 
and people of compassion. Because we see Jesus showing great compassion at the graveside of his friends. When John records this, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept, moved deeply. The word talks about the very being that we have, that he shuddered at the face of what the reality of this world seemed to portray. That the lie that Satan and death had brought in. And he wept with compassion for the ones that he loved. Compassion for his friends. Compassion for the situation of this world and what it thinks is real. And not knowing what reality truly is. Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life. You know, faith always understands tears, but faith does not despair in tears. It knows sorrow. It knows the hardships of this world. But it goes beyond those things because we are alive in the Spirit in that realm. And we have hope and peace knowing that our life is in Jesus Christ, that the life we live now is in Him. You see, that's a redefinition of our reality. And every time in our world that we bring Jesus into it, that we bring his hope and his forgiveness, his life, we bring his compassion into a world that is lost in a reality that it cannot see the truth in. We know Jesus is the resurrection and the life. We know that whatever takes us in this life will not end in death, for we have crossed over. We belong to Jesus. We live in that reality. The words that we speak are reality. The words that we sing are our reality. The words that we confess are our reality. We believe these things because we have been changed. Changed in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Changed by His love. Changed by His life and His power. We have been resurrected by Christ. Because we are with Christ. May we always remember that. Especially as we come into this resurrection season. To remember again that Jesus' very presence with us is life. And hope and peace. And this is our reality in this world. And we bring it to a world that is lost in a reality that it never can understand. That's imposed on it by Satan. That is a lie. We bring the truth and the hope of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.